Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and Radio Works. It was set up to tell the stories of leaders in the media industries, focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, in fact, we're coming up to be able to say two years ago now, to focus in fashion, entertainment and leisure verticals. And we've had loads of great advice in doing so. And in fact, lots of it from guests on this podcast. And I'm still on the mission to gather the best advice. We've got a slightly different tack here than normal. I'm going to start with a quote. There is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Madeleine Albright. Lady Val Corbett isn't going to hell. Having set up Lady Val's professional women's network to do exactly this, help other women. Lady Val and her team are continually striving to build an invaluable network that supports, empowers and encourages other women, whilst raising invaluable charitable funds for worthwhile causes, one of which which is notably integrating returning citizens to society following imprisonment and, of course, prison reform. My God, there is a lot to discuss there. Firstly, hello. Hello. (laughs) How are you? Well, after that, I feel as if... um you're talking about somebody else. No, I'm talking about you. <laughs> I, 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 I've done my research and you, you are busy. How yeah. are you doing? I'm doing fine, actually fine. Um, after all, uh, the things that I'm doing are kind of elevating. You know, you, you're doing so, I feel I'm doing something that will help people. And um, I, was, <laughs> I had a husband who uh, missed many damn meals because he had to help somebody and then you, I couldn't moan at him. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, it's a full life, but it's, a, it's one that I've created and one that I enjoy. Great. And one that seems to be flying. It is doing quite well. I don't like saying that very loudly. because well, we can turn the volume jinx. down on yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to jinx anything, you know. So the should we start on the on the network, Lady Vale's network? Sure. What what's the motivation behind that? I started it fourteen years ago because I was a volunteer director for a training restaurant called called the Hoxton Apprentice in Hoxton Square. Okay. They trained people who had never worked before, uh, in, behind the, the in the kitchen or behind uh, or on the on the floor, and uh, my brief was to bring people to the restaurant. And so I created the Hoxton Apprentice Women's Network. And it was a huge success because <laughs> I used to bring the, uh, the kitchen staff after the lunch, which was excellent, by the way. Uh, and 
Leon, the, the head chef, used to tell his story of, uh, you know, he had been in prison for 18 months and this was his way through and he'll never go back to prison again. This, this was the chance that he ever had and everybody was crying, including me, and uh, it worked very well. But then the 2010 Conservative government came in and decided that instead of having uh, pockets like the Hawks and Apprentice, they wanted a, a, a huge company uh, to have that brief. Okay. Uh, and so they stopped our funding. I, I can't speak about it too much because my blood pressure goes too high. Um, and uh, I was furious because... Uh, after six months leaving us, seventy um, percent of them were still in in uh, jobs, and we had I had witnessed miracles. I had witnessed people who could change, people who had no parental support, no education training. They actually flowered, and and it was lovely to see. It stood me in great stead for when I you know was in the prison reform sector, because. If you give people a chance and you support them, that's absolutely necessary, uh, they will change and they can change. And I could tell you so many stories about Please it. Please do. That's what this is for. Well, there's Darren, who is now uh, a chef in the flagship hotel uh, of London Bridge, the Hilton London Bridge. Uh, when he started work, his mother and sister, who had never worked, they started working. Uh, there's this this wonderful woman. She 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 was so scared. She walked around the um, around Hoxton Square about three times because she was too nervous. She had four children, and she went in and she told the coach, "I don't know why I'm here. I I've I, I've not worked." And and so uh, the coach said, "Well, you've had four children. Um, that must have taken some organising." Oh yes, she said. Well, you know, one had this and the one I had to sort of. And she said, "Well, that will be quite useful here." Within six months, that woman was the head waiter. Wow. And so, I mean, lots of things like that. People behind, below the radar. And they were so amazing. I mean, some of them had never eaten with a knife and fork because, you know, there were burgers and, mm. and pizzas. Um, and the thing that they liked most was they went out, they, they bought the food, they came back, they cooked the food, they all had lunch around a table, and they'd never had that at home because they looked in television and grazed and things like mm. that. So it was a very, very wonderful um, experience. And then when the, the restaurant closed, um, I, was, I was asked, you know, could we not continue it? So therefore, I went to uh, Browns in, in Covent Garden and we started the Lady Val's Professional Women's Network. And this, this was, uh, as I say, 14 years ago when there weren't very many networks for professional women. And the reason that I started it and, and, and continue to this day is that um, women, however successful, need to know that they're good and need confidence. Mm -hmm. I have had chief executives when I have said, you know, we need to be better, better than men to be able to get into the first rung and they're nodding their heads like that. So um, I like that. Um, we empower women, yes, but we also, I'm passionate about gender equality. I cannot understand why for doing the same job, women are still... And and in big companies, still paid less than men. Completely agree. I mean, where where is the logic? I don't know. I know. So um, you know, 
it's it's going from strength to strength, and uh, I, I love doing it actually because it's very informal. I tell jokes. I tell jokes. Um, shall I tell you a joke that Absolutely. I Absolutely. Um, three birds on a wire. The first bird says, "I'm a gull catcher and I love gulls." And the second bird says, "I'm a fly catcher and I love flies." And the third bird's bird says. I'm a cockatoo, and I didn't have much sleep last night. <laughs> All right. We found our level. Um, this is good. I think I can now open up a little bit and, and be... Oh, Ali's shaking his head. Don't you dare. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Uh, right. Well, then, uh, then we come to the second phase of my life. Um, I don't like golf. I never watch golf. I'm not interested in golf. And yet golf is the reason I'm here. Okay. This is how it happened. Uh, my husband died uh, in 2012 lung cancer. And we had a very good marriage um, and a very interesting marriage because he was in the House of Parliament for 34 years, 20 as an MP and then the rest as a member of the House of Lords. And um, after he died... Uh, People are very lovely, and you get lots of cups of tea and lots of sympathy. But a few months after that, uh, you kind of are expected to manage. But really, that's when the depression yep. gets you, because that's when reality really strikes. And it was this kind of phase that I was sitting looking at television, trying to find something that will interest me. And I came across the last, the last uh, stage of the Ryder Cup. And... Um, I was desperate, right? So I looked at it. And the European team won. I was pleased. And then the captain of the European team looked up at the sky and he dedicated the win to his friend, Sebi Ballesteros, who had just recently died. And then he said these words. He said, all men die, but some men live on. And I sat up. It was a real eureka moment. I thought, that's what I've got to do. I have got to get Robin Corbett legacy to live on to people who knew him and people who should know him. Uh, now, let me tell you a bit about him. Um, he, he was the son of a, a foundry worker, uh, so very working class, and he, he became a journalist. And uh, we, met on a <laughs> we met on a magazine, because I was a journalist too. And uh, <laughs> the magazine... Uh, person who was inducting me, I was going through, and I'd worn a new dress which looked lovely in the shop, but when I tried it on at home, I thought, this was a mistake. Anyway, I said to him, I said to her as we were walking through, I said, does this dress make me look dumpy? And the voice said, yes, it does. And I looked up, and Robin was six foot three, and I'm five foot two. I looked up, and I thought, what a very rude man. <laughs> anyway, he called me dumpy for ages afterwards. I, of course. Um, okay, he went into Parliament. He did actually miracles with, with what his background was. Um, he had a private member's bill, and um, private member's bill don't get into law. they they kind of hobby horses, really. But this one, he asked for... Um, lifetime anonymity for rape victims in the courts mm -hmm. and the media. Uh, and um, it was a very, it was on a Friday when people are really not in the house, but a lot of people came and um, it went to, you know, the speeches, but there was one on the opposite bench who didn't like the bill and he was filibustering it. But unfortunately for him, he had to answer a call of nature. 
Oh. And so he rushed out. And as he rushed out, the speaker said, well, take a vote. And it was passed unanimously into law. Wow. And it, it's, still, it's still there. Still there. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely, as it should be. As it should be. And he did very well in the House of Lords as well. So I thought, now, what am I going to do? And what I first did was go to the Prison Reform Trust. This is a very prestigious um, organization. And um, Robin worked for them, with them quite well. For 10 years until he died, he was the chair of the all-party penal affairs group. So I thought... And, and when, he was, when he accepted that, his colleagues said, you shouldn't do that because prison's really an unpopular subject and it'll harm your career. And he took no notice. That kind of stubbornness caused me to go in that direction. Yep. So uh, the, the, the then director, uh, Juliet Lyons, and I concocted a thing called the Robin Corbett Award for Prison Reintegration. And it was uh, an annual award. Uh, we got a, a, a sponsor and we get, we shared £10,000 between three charities who did the most for people who had, who had left prison. And it's still going on today. In June, it was our 10th presentation, which we do in the, at the House of Commons. But then I kept on meeting people in the prison reform sector who were working in their own pond. And I thought, well, you know, why are they doing that? Why don't we work in a sea so that we can crusade you know, and with one voice. Yep. And so that was when the Corbett Network for Prisoner Reintegration was born. That was done in 2017. Our motto there is engage, empower, employ, because jobs are key. Mm -hmm. Now, I have to give you some stats. This country has the highest reoffending rate in Western Europe. Over 55% especially with young, young guys, go back within two years. Sorry, that's 55% of people that are released from prison yes. go back within two years? Yes. Wow. Yes. But when they have a job, that figure falls to 19%. Yep. So jobs are absolutely the key. So our, our uh, members help and support people um, from prison to get good employment, which means they make them job-ready and risk-assessed. And when there's any problems, you know, they're at hand. Now, one of our members, Maggie Walsh, who's a, a, a CEO of uh, a Fairer Chance charity, she, she says when they come out of prison, they need, they need three things. They need somewhere to live, something to do, and someone who gives a damn. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the last one is the most important. So... Um, I'm really, really proud that, that um, these, these members, and there are about 140 of them now, uh, and more joining all the time, uh, I'm proud that what they're doing is they're making Britain safer because everyone that they turn away from a criminal past comes off the reoffending rate and, and you know, is, is doing a good job and, and in the community and helping. So um, I, I kind of feel that... I wish more people would know about it, but the public perception of people from prison is that they kind of subhuman. Yep. I remember, I remember taking a whole lot of my women's uh, women's network um, uh, people to lunch inside Brixton Prison in the in the Clink restaurant, and two or three three of them said to me, "Are you sure these waiters are are prisoners?" I said, "Yes," yeah. she said, "But they are so nice." 
<laughs> and when at half past eight they all went back to their cells, I said, "You see, they really are. They really are prisoners." Um, so the public perception is something that um, I'm trying to work at. Um, I'm horrified that seventy thousand people are released in our from our prisons every year, but only seventeen percent get support. Now, I, I, I'm like Martin Luther King. I have a dream. I may not live there to see the dream, but I want that 17%. I want it up. I want it up a lot. And um, at the moment, uh, we are in a pivotal position. Um, where do we go from here? And this is what I want to happen. I want to offer practical help to my um, organization because I give them lots of things. I give them Zooms with top leaders from the from the prison force sector, you know, the chief inspector of prisons and so on. And uh, I have a, a newsletter which goes out. I use LinkedIn. Uh, I collaborate. I have meetings with them where they meet in, and then we're going to have a huge conference at the Draper's Hall. Have you ever been there? I have not. Oh, my God. I'll put it this way. I thought only 50 people, 50 members would come, and then I'd offer, you know, uh, other other people. 117 are coming, and I think it's something to do with the venue because actually I've never seen such a... I mean, it is just amazing, but I don't care what they're coming for. So meetings like that. But they have people they help who need more practical help than just, you know, pats on the back. They need special tools. They need training courses. They need relocation costs. They need help with electricity. They help, you know, uh, bills, set energy bills. So I am now fundraising. And if anybody is hearing this, please listen to me. Um, I need money. I need, I'm going to call it the founder's helping hand. Okay. Uh, Not a hand out, a a hand up. Yep. Because we are, we will research very much where we get the money. You can't just ask for it. We're going to really go into it and, and see that you really need it. Um, so that's what I'm trying to do now. So my vision is to make the the, um, the Robin the Corbett network particularly um, a force for real good. We are acknowledged as one of the leaders in the in the sector, which is very good uh, from the MO the Ministry of Justice. Um, but we need to do more. And the, the, the more I've just explained uh, is what I'm aiming for now. Wow. So <laughs> I said at the beginning, you're quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's absolutely fascinating how the, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful story and it's clearly, you know, authentic and it's clearly in you and it clearly drives you. And it's wonderful to see those, those two things coming together. Does Lady Val's network then support the um, the Robin Corbett uh, uh, Foundation. So uh, are you doing sort of parallel work with the same people? Right. Uh, a donation to our prison reform work comes out of every booking to events from the Lady Val's one. So the fundraising is, is really, <laughs> at the moment, uh, coming from from the network you know, meetings and, and lunches. Okay, so so you, you need to open up that fundraising into a wider audience and get I it... I do, okay. I do, I do. I will, mean, will you get government money? No. Not at all? No, and I don't want government money because look what happened to the Hawks and Apprentice. Mm. They can take it away, you know, mm. uh, just like that. And may I just say that the people that they gave all the money to, some of those directors are were, were sent to jail because they falsified the, the, the things. They sent kids to Poundland. 
And and then they didn't stay for, you know, they went and they came again, but, you know, they had a tick that that was a job and they found that that was falsified. So, you see, big doesn't always no. do well. Wow. Um, I sort of, I, I, I'm kind of desperate to know the answer to what, but I don't want to ask it because you've got along. What's next? <laughs> oh, God. I've just told you what's next. Yeah. I've just told you my... But how are you going to raise the money? What, what, what's the plan? What, what machinery have you got in place to do that? Are you going to do a speaking tour? Are you going to radio? Lots of things going um, on? I don't know. I'm looking for grants. Um, I'm in touch with several people who say they're going to help. But these things take so long. And I am probably the most impatient person you have ever met. <laughs> uh, I remember when I was a, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I come from Cape Town, and I used to post a letter. And as I walked back from the post box, I thought, oh, I wish I could go and see and, and get the, the answer when I... And so emails, emails were made yeah. for me. They designed, especially for me. <laughs> uh, and I use them such a lot. But... Um, no, money uh, fundraising at the moment is is in a parlous state. It's it's really difficult, and uh, there's so many people who need it. And my uh, and I also we've I'm going to start a thing called the funding forum. I've got a woman who's her 20 years experience as a fundraiser, and she's going to come on board and and help people to raise you know to to um, access money. Uh, but it's a, it's a very slow thing. And as I told you, I'm impatient. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I find that really, I think that's the most difficult part of my job. Now I have an advisory board and uh, they're helping as well. But um, I'm the only one who does it full time. And of course, I have not taken a penny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and also, I, I was actually, um, you know, my, I, I just, I used to spend the money doing things, and I can't do that much anymore. So I've got to do it. Uh, and fundraising is my least worst, least worst, horrible, horrible task. But I have to do it, and uh, I'm obviously just trying. Have you considered um, making a TV programme about what you're doing and then having it ad-funded and taking some money out of that? Well, I'd love to do that, but Patience. I cannot tell you how difficult it is for the media to look at prison in a, a positive light. I mean, there's also a, a program called Screw uh, at the moment. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, well, it is very, it is good. It's, it's, it's authentic. I can see that. But I don't want to watch it. And I don't see how anybody would be interested because it, it shows people who are in, you know, incarcerated and are not doing well. And that is, you know, our prisons are in a terrible state, mm -hmm. a terrible state. In fact, the system is creaking. We have, n we have no capacity. And um, the government, when they came in, in 2010, um, cut the prison officers by 12,500 all the experienced and therefore exp expensive ones. And they've only just put two and a half thousand back. So the staffing... In 13 years. Yes. And, and so the staffing, especially at weekends, is dreadful. Now, I went to Rochester Prison. Uh, I mean, some of the things that I've done on prisons are amazing, absolutely amazing. And in Rochester Prison, they've got a stonemasonry uh, thing. And the things they do there... I cannot tell you the quality. I was astounded. And they sold them to churches and things like that. 
there's a waiting list of 60. Because there's so, a, it's, a waiting list to, to get, get in. To get in. Okay. Because they're only, they're only um, I think there were 12. And, of course, they're working with, with the utensils, so there's got to be staff. Yes. And there's no staff or few staff at the weekend. And one man was saying, well, when I leave here, I have a skill. I know I can get a job, but it's very boring at weekends because I'd love to be able to do this and I can't. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the problem throughout, throughout the prison system. Um, it's it, We've had eight, or is it nine, uh, ministers of justice in the last 10 years. Uh, and so the lack of consist- consistency there is also a problem. Yeah. Um, the first one, the most, the most <laughs> I just said, I won't mention, oh, well, why didn't I mention his name? His name's Chris Grayling. And these first... Well, oh, uh, your look changed then when you said oh, that. Oh, <laughs> you, you don't know. What he said when he came in is, I'm going to ban all books from prisons. That's a good idea. Yeah, good I mean. idea. He didn't manage to, but he tried. And he then tried to... Um, reform the probation service which has still never got over that so that's the other thing see you've got the prison service and you've got the probation service and they both need money they both need staff they both and they have no consistency because the minister of justice changes all the time so it's not a happy case it's not a happy place and uh, they keep on building new prisons now people uh, countries like holland are closing prisons we're building more and I wouldn't mind if it meant that we closed, you know, the old Victorian ones like Wandsworth, which is just dreadful. Um, but they're not going to close them. So, you know, they expect more and more people to be in prison. And, of course, we've got the private prisons who need to fill the prisons because otherwise it's not financially viable. Therefore, God, I wish I was Minister of Justice. <laughs> Is that I what's would, next? I'd be a I'd be a dictator. Yeah, is, is that what's <laughs> no, next? No, <laughs> my God, no. The thing is, I but I, the thing I would love to do is to reorganise the prison system in the following way, because most of the people in prison don't need to be there because they've got other problems. So what I'd need to do is a prison for people with addiction, a, uh, a prison for people with trauma, a prison with mental health problems, and a prison for people who never should come out. Yep. The bad ones. So they have the mad, the bad, and the sad. Um, and and then they would get help, specialist help for the addiction. Because sometimes they go in and they come out possibly worse than they went in. Yeah. Um, so there's, a, there's such a lot to do. And I'm so sorry because there's such a stigma to, to uh, prisons. And yet a lot of people in prisons come out better educated because they've had time. Had time, yeah. And no so, destruction. And no destruction, yes. You know what, I, what I'd hate uh, to be in prison? I mean, okay, you lose your freedom, and that's bad. I understand that. But the thing that I would hate most is the regimentation. You know when you're getting up, you go to breakfast, you do this, you know, lights out there. Yeah. I would hate that. You've got no, no leeway into how you're spending your day. Does that stay with people after they've left? Yes, I'm sure of it, especially with you've been there a long time. Because, and the other thing I can't stand about prisons is no door, no prison has doors. So you have to wait with this prison officer coming with a huge circle of, of keys. <laughs> and apparently when you've been in prison a long time, you, when you go out of a room, you, you wait for someone to open the door. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good gosh. Is there, a, um, is there a private sector of industry that is more supportive of people coming out of prison than others? It's, it's growing. I'm happy to say it is growing. And it's growing because of Brexit, because there's such a lot of, uh, of vacancies now with, with, with people who were there and had to go back to Europe. So uh, there are vacancies and there are people. Now, there's a guy called James Timpson, whom I know very well. And James is, is known as somebody who gives people a chance. Uh, you know, he has Timpson's shops all over the country. Now, 10% of his workforce... Oh, the key shops. The, yes. Yeah. 10% of his uh, workforce comes from prison. And um, he then went to the Minister of Justice and said, look, we need to have more... Uh, employability within prisons. So he's established employability boards in in many prisons. And they try and skill up because when you leave prison, you need, you need to do something. Yeah. And if you haven't been doing anything before, this is almost, you know, ultra important. My husband said, prison isn't full of bad people. Prison is full of people who've done bad things. Yep. And most of them need a chance to change. The way forward is to make public perception realize that these people are not subhuman. They are people who've made mistakes and they can change. Will that drive from a, an uprise in socially functioning organizations? So if we get more of them, Will that be the catalyst, or is it a change in public perception that needs to happen first? I think it's both. I think oh, it's both. Oh, without doubt, both yeah, of them need yeah, to happen. Both in it. But, I mean, more and more companies are going towards this. It's slow. It's very slow. But, I mean, there are people like uh, Transport for London, um, Virgin Media, Iceland. Sainsbury's are very good. And not only on the shop floor, you know, for managerial as well. You have to live with hope, actually, don't you? Yeah, I think so. It all started in 2012 when you were watching the Ryder Cup and we're now 11 years on. What would Robin think of it now? I think he'd be quite bemused. Um, I mean, I often, uh, when I have meetings, I often say, you know, I wish Matt Robin was here to see this. But of course, if he was there, (laughs) you wouldn't be there because I wouldn't have started it. Um, You always have a scar. I know it's been 11 years, but um, we were married for a long time and it was quite a happy I always say quite a happy thing because I don't. I hate these people who say, "Oh, it was wonderful." I mean, yeah, we had ups and downs and things, but on the whole, he was my soulmate, and um, we laughed a lot. I think I miss the laughing most of all, um, but his his spirit. Uh, I just, I just loved the way he looked at life, uh, because he liked, he loved helping people. He got such a kick out of it, and although he liked the Westminster side, I think he preferred the uh, constituency one. At his, at his uh, 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 funeral, I ended the my speech with saying he did well, and I think that's what I think about him. He did well, and I will miss him forever, of course. Where would people go to find out more about the work that you're doing? Val at ladyvalnetwork.biz, thecorbettnetwork.com and robincorbettaward.co.uk. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with Radio Works, the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street Creative production devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 